The title of this message this morning is called, Ready or Not, Rapture to Revelation. Ready or Not, Rapture to Revelation. And I want to begin a series today that begins to talk about the end times. And not just because um, I picked this, but this is really something that's been going on in, in my heart, in my spirit for the last few weeks. Our small group uh, that meets on, at our house on Wednesday night, we actually began to talk about this a couple of weeks back. But how many are like me that when you're on a trip, you want to know where you're going? You want to know where you're going, maybe what time you're going to get there. I mean, I can be so bad that when I go on trips, I print out a little list. I put itinerary. I put what time we're leaving, where we're going. Right, Raquel? Raquel likes that kind of stuff, so I'll do that for her. Um, In my family, Anna and Bianca, they could care less. We're going on a trip. They're already happy with it. They're good with it. But myself and and Raquel, we kind of uh, think the same way where we need to know where we're going, when we're going to get there, how we're going to get there, who are we going to see between now and there, right? So again, that's how I view things in, in the natural. But in the spiritual realm, we need to constantly be aware of where are we at right now? If our goal is truly to be Christ-like and to be in heaven, are we doing and taking the steps to get there? And what are we going to encounter along the way, possibly? What are the things that are going to happen according to the Word of God? Not according to what Pastor Rick thinks, not according to what um, somebody I heard thinks, but what does the Word say about this? So... That's, you know, going back to this little uh, itinerary thing. I did that thing for Lake Tahoe on our trip this past weekend where Anna and I were just blessed. We were just chilling. We were resting and we needed to rest. And it was a wonderful thing. And I thank you as as our church here that came together and helped last week and we had a wonderful service. But uh, again, if you have your Bibles this morning or your electronic device, I want you to turn to the book of Revelation. We're going to read a a few verses from the book of Revelation, but starting in chapter 1, it's also on your outline. But Revelation chapter 1, and this is the book of Revelations which was written by the Apostle John. How many know that the Apostle John wrote this when he was on this island? He was on the, the island of Patmos, the Bible says, a Greek island. And this was a revelation that God gave him. God gave him essentially these, uh, these dreams and he saw these visions of prophetic future events that we have seen and we will see unfolding in our lifetime possibly. So again, Revelations chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and it says here, The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Everyone say, the time is near. 
The time is near. Lord, let's pray right now. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning, for your message, Lord, that you've given me. I pray, Lord, bring anointing to my words, to my thoughts this morning, Lord, and help me to declare those words today with all boldness, with all power, Father, from your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth, that it endures forever, Lord. It is unchanging, Father. What you declared in your word thousands of years ago still holds true today. And Lord, we see it coming to pass in, right in front of us, Lord, in this day and age. So, Father, we thank you. Help us to receive that today and to be prepared, Lord, and to take the steps that we need to in order to, Lord, get to see you that one day, to, to be with you, Lord, in paradise. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, again, I want to start here with the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation is is very symbolic, okay? How many have read the book of Revelation? Read your hand, raise your hand. Most of you here have read the book of Reve- Revelation and for some of you you may have stopped reading it because whoa, I don't understand what it's talking about here. This language is too deep. It's over my head and and many of you may have stopped right there. And granted, it it is a very difficult book to understand. But let me tell you that all the things it's talking about in there, when you can understand the symbolic language it's using, you begin to see some of these events that have taken place and are taking place in our present day and age. Amen? And I have a chart that I want to put up there. Raquel, do you have that chart? Um, If you can find that... Um, and we're going to put that up there. Basically, it's a timeline of events that are going to be occurring. What I, what I want her to put up is a chart like this. And this chart here describes where we're at. When we're in an age called the church age, the church age, the next prophetic event in the Word of God is what we call the rapture. Now, going back to the connection question, have you ever seen the word rapture in the Bible? What, what's the answer? No. The, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Now let me explain a little bit about that. So you must be going, well, why do you use the word rapture then? So in 1 Thessalonians, and we'll read that verse here in a few minutes, but it talks about um, this period of time where the Lord will descend and there will be a trumpet first and the Lord will descend and the dead in Christ will rise and then the believers that are here, you and I, will rise up. That's called literally the snatching away, the taking away of the believers at that time. Well, in the Greek, the original New Testament was written in Greek. That word for snatching away is harpazo, harpazo. And then the, the Bible is translated into Latin. So the Latin root word was rapto, and that's where we get the English word rapture from. So it's literally not directly found in there, but it's a transliteration of, of the original word. So again, um, rapto, which is Latin, is where we get the word rapture from. So here, where you see rapture, that yellow arrow on that chart, or we're right to the left of that. We're in the church age. The rapture can occur at any time. It, it can occur right now. It can occur next year, two years. But here's the thing that we do know. No man knows the hour nor the day of his coming. How many have heard that before in the Bible? Nobody knows that. But the wonderful news is, though, that God gives us signs 
and shows us we're getting close to that day. Even the world knows that we're getting close to that day. You've heard of that, the clock that is ticking right before midnight, where doomsdayers, you know, this is the world. Now, I'm not talking about the biblical uh, prophecy teachers or anything, but the world will tell you that we're approaching midnight, the end of the world. And they'll tell you we're just a minute before that point in time. And so they even know that. Here's what I find interesting. You know, the Bible... Uh, talks about how nations will come against Israel. Nations. There won't be anybody supporting Israel. It'll just be Israel by themselves. Guess where they're at right now? They're essentially by themselves because the United States, who's been an ally or a friend to Israel, the only friend they have, literally, has really pulled away. Have you noticed that? Without getting into politics, we, the country, have pulled away from Israel, from defending her. Now, the Bible says that in the last days, there will be countries coming against her. In particular, it mentions Russia as well. And Russia right now is fighting a war in Syria, which is right next door to Israel. Okay? We're there. We're there. We're at the precipice of what could be the end days. I just want you to know that. Now, I don't know when that day may be. It may be 100 years from now. It could be 10 years from now. It could be next month. I'm just here to tell you that the signs that God declared in His Word over 2,000 years ago are coming to pass right in front of us. So the next event, according to prophecy is really going to be the rapture. And today's sermon really is just to give you an outline, and then we're going to break it down next week and concentrate on some certain areas. But I just want to give you a general timeline. So we're going to go through a rapture. That's when God comes, takes His people. Because see, the Lord says in His Word that we will not suffer wrath. We will not suffer the wrath of Satan and the enemies of the cross. We will not have to suffer that. That is what the rapture is all about. He raptures His church because once the rest of these events begin to take place, there's no more mention of God's people. There's no more mention of the church in the book of Revelation. That's what leads me to think that the rapture will occur before all these events which include Armageddon, terms like that that you may have heard. So it'll be the rapture, then a period of seven years which is known as the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. And before I even go there, here's what I want to focus on that throughout the Word of God, everything that you study in the Word of God points to one person. That's Jesus Christ. Amen? Everything from beginning in the Old Testament to the New Testament, where He is the King of Kings, points to Jesus Christ. We know that because even in the book of Isaiah, there's prophecies predicting the birth of Jesus as as a man coming to this world. We know that he was already there, though, because he has no beginning. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who was the Word? Jesus Christ was the Word. And in verse 14 in in the book of John, it says, And the Word became flesh. That same Word that created in the beginning was God Almighty. And in verse 14 of John, 
He became flesh, and the Bible says he dwelt among us. So again, it's referring to Jesus. Jesus is the central theme, not only in the Bible, but specifically in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, when you read it, it's specifically revolving around Jesus and what he's going to do in um, the end times. The clear purpose also of Revelation is a message to his servants, to you and I. It's a message. This is a message. It's a last will and testament. That's really what the New Testament is. It's a last will. Revelations is a last will from Jesus to you. He's saying, here you go. This is what's going to come your way. This is what I want you to know you're going to face unless you get in a right relationship with me. How many are thankful today that you will not have to face these things that are going to come? Amen? Amen. So again, the clear purpose of Revelation is Jesus speaking to each of us, giving us signs, giving us direction. And then... The, the third thing is that this is a, a comforting promise. It's a blessing to you when you hear these words here. Again, it says here in verse, in verse 3, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. That is the key right there. Blessed are those who hear it and then take to heart what is written in it. Because it's one thing, as the book of James says, to hear the Word of God and ignore it. But it's another thing to hear the Word of God and then take action and do something about it. Amen? I don't think anybody here, just by looking out into the crowd, just got up this morning, looked in the mirror, and said, I'm good. No, I think all of us took the time to wipe that you know, stuff off your mouth, comb your hair, take a shower, and all that. Same thing that the Word of God declares. They want The Word of God says, listen to the Word, now act upon it. Act upon it. Amen? So, again, the Word brings us a, a comforting blessing when we read it. Amen? I want to read one scripture, a couple of scriptures to you. They aren't in your outline, but Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 says the following. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. And another verse here in James chapter 5 and verse 8, which we read earlier, our scripture verse, You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. How many believe like me that the Lord's coming is near? Amen? You know... Every week, it seems like, or every month, there's another shooting, a school shooting, and tragic what, what happens. And, and you know, one, one thing I was looking at, this is kind of off the topic here, but one of the things that they have in common, most of these shootings, they don't have a dad in their home. Did you know that? They don't have a father figure in that home. I look out here right now, I see some, some strong father figures in here. It's important that you be a father to your children. In almost every one of these cases where there's been a young person shooting, they didn't have a father figure in their home, or he wasn't a father figure to that child if he was there. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? We need, men, we need to be in our children's lives. This is the world that we're facing today. It's getting worse and worse. Now, we shouldn't live in fear and, and, and not want to go to the movies because of a fear of a shooter there or fear of going to a college or school because there might be a shooter there. No. God's people, number one, we don't live in fear. Amen? God did not give you a spirit of fear. Number one. So, again, we need to be patient and stand firm. Stand firm for what you believe, what God's Word declares, because His coming is near. He's going to take us out of this world as it begins to come worse and worse over time. There's, there's prophecies regarding Jesus' coming, which are imminent. And I want to take you to one, which is in your, um, in your outline. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7 says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. That word therefore, it really means because of. So in other words, it says, The end of all things is near. So because of that, be alert, be sober, of sober mind so that you can pray. When we're not in our right mind, you can't make wise choices, right decisions, right? That's what it's really saying. Be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says this, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. There are so many scriptures telling us in this last day and age that the Lord is near. But we don't realize that until we start to reflect on the time that we're living in. I mean, all these events that have occurred this past month, um, and, and not, again, I'm not here to try to scare you. I'm just trying to point you and make you aware of certain situations. How many saw the blood moon just last month or just recently? Those events, along with the, the events that occurred with, with uh, the president and the pope and, and so forth, things that had never happened before are all culminations of, of I, I believe, God speaking to us as believers and telling us, look, my, my coming is near. All you got to look is look around you. All these things that are taking place, Russia attacking Israel, you know, we could be pulled into that any minute, any minute, know that right now. United States could be pulled into a Middle East conflict that will become bigger than anything if we get involved with Russia. Um, and, and again, we don't live in fear. I don't ever want you to live in fear. That's not the point of this message. This message is to remind us what's going to happen to this world after the rapture takes place. After the rapture takes place. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Listen to this scripture. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we, it, we know it is the last hour. Anybody besides me ever hear of people proclaiming to be Jesus Christ? Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm Jesus in the news, on the media? I know somebody that goes to a particular church, that, and this person, he's not, they don't call him pastors in this particular organization, but he calls himself Jesus Christ reincarnated, okay? That's foolishness. The Bible 
talked about that, that in the last days there would be Antichrist. He is against Jesus Christ, this person that calls himself Jesus. There's only one Jesus, and he's not in this particular place that I'm talking about. He resides in you. If you're a believer, he resides in you. He resides in you, and he went to prepare a place for you, the Bible says. Remember that? He went to prepare a mansion for each of you. Amen? This is the last hour, and you have heard the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. We can think back in, in our generation. I think back of the Jim Jones, the David Koresh's, and so forth. All these people throughout history, each of them claimed to be Jesus Christ. Each of them. And there's many others that, that are going to come out of the woodwork that are declaring to their believers that they are Jesus Christ. Don't be fooled by them, people. Do not be fooled by them. That is a, a demonic activity that is going on there, and we have to pray for, for those people. We have to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Amen? The Bible also says in Revelations 1 and verse 19, Write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place. See, J Jesus gave this revelation, this vision to John, and he began to pen these things down. Here's a man that had never, he had no idea what a, a helicopter looked like, what an Apache attack helicopter looked like with missiles. He had no idea what a MiG fighter or an F-22 jet plane looked like. He had no idea what a tank looked like. So when he begins to describe these things in the book of Revelation, they begin to make sense. They really begin to make sense as you read the book of Revelation. How many have seen that? When you read the book of Revelation with the eyes of a first century disciple describing Armageddon and the war, then these giant locusts, helicopters possibly, begin to make sense. These chariots that, you know, that rolled like thunder begin to make sense. So again, John wrote what he had seen and what will take place later, the Bible says. Again, a warning to all of us. Revelation 1, verses 12 through 18. I really want to read this here. Um, just a description. Now try to picture this in your mind as, as John writes this. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe reaching to the feet, and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and hair were white, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, and when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Amen. And it continues here. I almost lost my place. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Verse 17, when I saw him... Speaking about Jesus Christ, okay? When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. Everybody say that with me. Do not be afraid. I am the first, and I am the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the, the keys of, de of death 
and of Hades. That is Jesus Christ speaking to the disciple John at that time. He fell at him in, in fear, really, and, and, and awe and wonder. And Jesus began to tell him, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of me. That's what I want to tell you today. Don't fear the future events. Don't fear them. As a believer, you have no reason to fear. As a believer, you have a hope in you, a hope that God has given you a future with Him, that your children have a future with Him. Amen? I want to go back to the word rapture. If you have your Bibles now, I want to, to read that scripture verse, those uh, three verses, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Okay? If you have it, say amen. (laughs) Amen? Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. If you don't have this underlined, underline it in your Bible. Circle it in your Bible. Because if you've ever wondered, where does it talk about a rapture, Pastor Rick? I want to know. I've never read that in the Bible. Well, I'm taking you right to it right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. That should be comforting to each of you, to know that you will be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. Everybody say forever. Forever. We can't even comprehend that word right now, forever. We cannot comprehend it. I could comprehend four days in Tahoe. I knew what that meant, a beginning and an end. But forever? Oh, man, forever. Brother Ed, forever ain't no joke. (laughs) That ain't no joke. Forever is forever. But I want to take you back to verse 17 where it says, We will be caught up. That is the word harpazo in Greek, caught up. That is where we get the word rapture from, right there. What I was talking about earlier. We're going to be caught up together with Jesus. See, the, the word says that Jesus will descend and we'll meet him in the air. So going back to that chart, if you will, uh, Raquel, we're going to be, Jesus is going to come at the sound of the trumpet. The Bible says there will be a mighty blast, a trumpet. I believe it may be one of those big or many ram's horns that they blow, right? A shofar. And that will go off. And at that sound, Jesus is going to come. The Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye. So that event... Right there, Jesus comes for his church. Now notice very carefully, it says that he comes, he descends, but it doesn't say he comes down to this earth and and, and grabs us from this earth. He calls us up to him. And I want to make that distinction because this event, the rapture, is not to be confused with what's called his second coming. That's a, a future event that will be happening later down the road, um, but not there. 
It will actually happen right before the thousand year millennial reign. So again, the rapture is a separate event. He comes down because the reason I want to make that distinction is when he comes, his second coming, the Bible says he will place his feet on the Mount of Olives. He will actually come down into the Mount of Olives. And then he'll, he'll even march, the Bible says, into and through the eastern gate in Israel, through the walls. I was there. I was there where they have the eastern gate. And the Bible says Jesus Christ will march right through that. And what the, 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 the Muslims did many, many years ago is they sealed that opening up. It's, it's an arch, it's double arches, and they sealed it up, thinking that that would keep Jesus out from entering Israel and entering into their city. Well, Jesus, doesn't matter if you have a wall there, he's going to walk right through that wall. Amen? Amen. And so again, the Bible says, comfort one another with these words when it comes to the rapture. The rapture is a real event. It will happen. It may happen in our lifetime, more than likely. I don't know that. I can't tell you, and I will never ever predict a date. And if you ever hear anybody tell you they know the date, run away from them. Run away from them. Nobody here can predict the date. We can know and have a general sense of the time, the season, but nobody knows the date. Just recently, you may have heard some people saying October 7th may have been the date. Again, when there's date setters, I typically run from them. I I don't have time to listen to date setters. Many of you have heard of Harold Camping, uh, a minister here out of the Bay Area. I believe it's been two or three times now he's predicted the end of the world. And guess how many times he was wrong? Each time, obviously. Each time. But he has convinced his followers that it actually was going to happen. And again... God tells us distinctly in His Word, no man knows the hour nor the time of His coming. Amen? So don't forget that. So the rapture is going to happen, and the next event in God's prophetic calendar is the tribulation. And the tribulation, again, is just a period of seven years, very short period. But those first three and a half years, once the church is gone, the Antichrist will be a person that will be possessed by Satan himself. Not a demon, but by Satan himself will possess this man. This man will have some sort of political influence because in the first three and a half years, the Bible talks about the fact that he will cause uh, peace and safety to come upon the land. He will develop a one world government, a one money system. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear about dollars and then, and then how in Europe they, they've got the euros now where you can go to different countries use one currency and to think about uh, a one money system in the entire world working for everybody I mean that makes sense doesn't it why have euros why have you know dollars why have yen when you can just have one money system better yet why not have a little chip implanted in your forehand and your forehead that has all your electronic information you scan it like a barcode and and you can pay off of that because it's tied directly to your bank account boy that's a great idea isn't it doesn't it work sound great you don't have to carry credit cards you don't have to carry money because all you got to do is scan it those are things that the bible predicted over 2,000 years ago 
and they're coming to pass right now in our day and age. They have already actually begun experimenting with that chip in other Eastern countries, uh, Eastern European countries. We're right there, people. We're right there. We need to be careful. And just as a side note, and I'm going to cover that, but do not, do not take that mark. The Bible calls it the mark of the beast. You may have heard that. The mark of the beast is the number is 666. And that's where you will receive an implant in your forehand or forehead, the Bible says. If you take that mark, you have no, no, everybody say no, no chance of going to heaven. The Bible says that. And, and here's the crazy thing. In those seven years, the first three and a half years are going to be this wonderful love affair with this political leader that's going to cause peace on this world, developing this one money system, one world system. But he's the Antichrist. He's there to destroy the Jewish people, destroy Israel. And in the last three and a half years, the Bible says, he causes war and everybody in the whole world to come against the Israelites. That is his goal. And here's the thing. It says in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, that if you do not take that mark, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot trade. So how are you going to live? How are you going to survive? Say you missed out on the rapture. And all of a sudden you discover, man, that Pastor Rick, Brother Ed, they were right. They were warning me. They were telling me. And here you're left behind. Don't take the mark, people. Don't take the mark. But here's what the Bible says. In order for you to, because there still will be a very a difficult chance for you to, to be with the Lord, but at the cost of losing your head, literally, being beheaded, the Bible talks about, for your faith. You know those young people that lost their life because they stood up and said, yes, I'm a Christian, and then got shot? We're going to face the same type of thing in those last days because the Antichrist is going to say, you don't want to take that mark? Well, then off with their head. Because the only people that aren't going to take that mark are Christians like you and I that came to the realization a little too late and we know that we can't take that mark. Well, then they're going to behead them. The Bible says that. And then we look at how they, they, they kill these people in the Middle East right now. It's all beheadings. And you can see all these things, how they can literally happen. And we can see these things begin to uh, come to play. So the tribulation occurs for seven years. And during this time, Israel finally recognizes Jesus as Messiah. See, to this day, to this time right now that we live in, Israel has denied that Jesus is the Messiah. They claimed he was a false prophet. That's why they never, never gave him the respect, the honor that was due him. Well, during those seven years, they're finally going to come to the revelation. And that's because and there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will begin preaching the Word of God. We're going to get into that down the road here. But suffice to say that during this period of time, Israel will come to realize that the one they persecuted, Jesus, is the Messiah. Amen? And that's when the Antichrist steps in. He steps into the temple, according to the book of Revelation, will be rebuilt. And he will set himself in the temple, the Antichrist will, and go and enter into the Holy of Holies, which is reserved for the high priest where God's presence resided in the Old Testament. He's going to set himself in there and he's going to declare that he is God. 
just like the false antichrists that live in our world today. They all want to say the same thing, that they're God and you're not. Well, this antichrist that the Bible talks about, that is going to be possessed by Satan, will enter the temple and declare himself to be God. And he will fool many, the Bible says. He will deceive many. Many will believe him. Know this, church. He's a false prophet. He's, he's the Antichrist. Antichrist. Amen. And then the Bible mentions this thousand years. It's a millennial reign. Just real quickly, the Lord causes a thousand years of peace. He binds Satan. He binds him up. And then again, see the Lord is full of mercy and grace. How many know that? The Lord wants each of us to come to him because we choose that. He doesn't want to ever force anybody here like these crazy gunmen and say, you know, something uh, against our will. No, he wants you to come of your own will, your own volition. So he gives the world another opportunity. Another opportunity to choose to serve him. So for a thousand years, it starts off really good. And then by the end of these thousand years, wickedness and sin are just ruling the world again. Because when we're left to our own devices, our own thinking, we go to hell in a handbasket, right? Uh, Seriously, we fall apart when we trust on our own devices, our own understanding. And so then there's a there's a the judgment day. That's when Jesus comes back and he finally destroys Satan. He destroys the armies that are at the uh, in the world at that time that are warring against the, the people of Israel and the and the people of uh, God at that time. And then there will be a judgment day. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Every one of those killers Dave, uh, David Koresh, Jim Jones, Charlie Manson, Hitler, you fill in the blank. They will all kneel before Jesus and confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Can you believe that? But it's going to be far too late for them. Then he's going to judge them and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire that the Lord created only for the devil and his angels. See, the Lord didn't create hell for us. But that's a consequence of our actions, and we end up going there if we choose not to serve him. And so again, that's what the judgment day is going to be all about. And I've skipped a lot of what's going to go on through there. I didn't even talk about uh, the Bema Seat of Christ, um, where we as believers after the rapture, We'll have what's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. It's really a, a time of, of rejoicing. It's like a, a time of righteousness, of, of really God just heaping uh, awards on people in, in a way. You can say that. It's going to be a, a time of fellowshipping with our King. See, we won't, as believers, have to face this judgment that the world's going to have to face. That's because we've already declared, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior today. We have declared, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Make me new again. Lord, I accept you into my life. I want to be led by you. We've done that here in the here and now. And because of that, we're saved and spared from this judgment day that everyone will have to face. Everyone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Amen. I, I want to read... Uh, one, uh, well, a couple of other verses. The tribulation again, Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. 
I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And then they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand? Amen. That's a a prophecy that's going to occur. And then I want to read um, just a couple more verses and I'm going to be closing here. Revelation 19. And again, this is describing Armageddon. And just a real quick footnote on that. When I went to Israel two years ago, they took us to a place called the Valley of Megiddo. Megiddo is where they get the word Armageddon from. The Valley of Megiddo is where the Bible describes that a great war will occur with these countries and that blood will be six foot high in this valley literally six foot high with dead bodies and and so forth and we were able to see I mean it's immense it's immense and there's an air base right there and while we're viewing this from up a few quite a few hundred feet in the air down into this valley we saw these Israel warplanes they were doing exercises three or four planes and we could just totally picture this event going on right there Um, and it was it just gave me the goosebumps to just be there and know that this is what the Bible had predicted is going to happen in this place right there and so again in Revelations uh, 19 Verses 19 through 21, it says this, And I saw the beast, always referring to the the Antichrist, and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him, Jesus, who sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So again, describing a, a, a war scene there, and, and that's part of Armageddon of what's going to happen in the end times. And then the millennium occurs, which we talked about, a thousand year reign, where we will be reigning with Christ. And uh, and then finally, I just want to read this. Uh, well, I, I got to read this one to you here. Remember, I mentioned about not taking that mark. This is what the Bible says in Revelations chapter twenty and verse four. It says, "And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God." and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Again, telling us that the only way you're going to be with Christ is you're going to be beheaded and not take that mark. Because if you take that mark, it's an automatic do not pass go straight to hell. And hell ain't no joke, as my brother says. Here's a couple more scriptures, then I'm done. 
Revelation chapter 21, 6 through 8. This is Jesus speaking. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Amen. It is real, heaven is real, and hell is real. And then finally, I close with this last scripture in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. Jesus, uh, I love this scripture, Lord. It says this, He which testifieth, he uh, testifieth, he these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. That is our prayer today, Lord. Lord, that you would come quickly. Father, Lord, with our heads bowed this morning, Lord, this message, is, it's not about fear, Father, but it's about laying out, Lord, those events that will be occurring. And Father, as we go into depth beginning next week and the weeks to follow, Father, I pray that you would just show us how true these events are and where we're at in time, where we're at right now, that that clock is ticking. That, Lord, we can't afford to go another minute, another second without telling our family, our friends, our neighbors that, Lord, the time is near. The time is near and that they need to get right with God. And, Lord, we do that this morning. We pray that each of us here would be ready to face you. Because, again, the other truth that we all know is none of us have tomorrow promised. Lord, we pray this morning. I pray for each person here today. Lord, if they're not ready at this moment in time, and I'm speaking to you out there, if you feel that you need to recommit your life to Christ, if you feel that you're not in the right place where you need to be, that you want to make sure that heaven is your home, if that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand right now while everybody's got their head bowed. And I pray right now, Lord, for those hands that hand and those hands that are raised this morning 